Tonight is anniversary night. The format of tonight's meeting will be a main speaker who will speak for 25 minutes, followed by our information break and the anniversary celebrants. Our main speaker tonight is Mitch. Thank you. Well, I made it. <laughs> My name is Mitch and I'm an alcoholic. And um, I'm delighted to be here in, um, at the invitation of a um, preacher. Um, my sobriety date is the 31st of December, uh, 1989. Yeah. And, uh, my home group is the St. Nicholas group. They're um, the oldest group there in the uh, Harlem community. Uh, had its birth in 47, February 47. And um, that development grew out of um, discussions amongst uh, members there in the Greenwich Village group. Um, it was a, a, a place where blacks and whites could mix comfortably. And so the discussion started up, and um, soon there was a request uh, made to the um, Reverend at St. Philip's, and um, AA was accepted, but not without some problems. The congregation turned them down at least three or four times. We don't want drunks in our church. And um, thank you. When I when I heard the information, you know, just waking up in Alcoholics Anonymous, I got a resentment instantly. How dare they, you know, turn uh, turn us down? And as time went on, I was able to get a little more clarity. We were thieves. We were liars. We were. You know, just all over the place, just basically irresponsible family members, irresponsible co-workers, irresponsible church members, irresponsible brothers and sisters. Who would want us among them? Who? You done stole all the grandmother's money. You done sold the house. You done wrecked the car. You didn't stay in school. And I had that clarity. And then I began to appreciate the patience and tolerance and the love that church folks have for us. And our responsibility is to be friendly with our friends. Hence, you heard tonight, don't be moving the chairs, don't be messing with the piano. <laughs> All of that helps us to stay here. You know what I mean? And uh, I just enjoy, I mean, am enjoying the scenery because it reminds me of uh, the setup in, uh, in, my, in, my, in, my, in my group at, at my church. Um, we just got back from COVID and um, we met in the sanctuary. And um, the acoustics is not as near what you have here, but um, um, hopefully um, a brighter day is in the works. But folks are starting to come out, not nearly as many as, you, as I see here tonight. But bless you, you've set an example, a path for those of us to follow. And if you're new to the Atlantic group, if you're new to Alcoholics Anonymous, 
I'll bless you. Just keep coming. I can say to you, if you've gotten here to this meeting tonight, you've hit the lotto. Just stay here till you cash in. You know what I mean? <laughs> and, you know, I'm sure people have suggested to you, don't drink. Um, go to meetings and get yourself a sponsor, you know. And beyond your wildest imaginations. Uh, I'm born and raised there in South Carolina. And um, adopted child. My family um, broke up real early. And um, it just broke my heart. It confused me. And um, at my mother's death, she wanted to see her sons. She had three, three boys and um, a daughter. There are two of us left. And um, the farm family that, we were, that adopted us weren't able um, to get us to see my mom. And so she passed away before she was able to see us. And a deep hurt set in in me. Uh, I wasn't able to think clearly or act clearly. And um, so soon I just decided to leave the farm and go back to my hometown. And there's where I was uh, introduced to alcohol. Uh, someone had some gin, I think it's bee feeder's gin, under the oak tree with some lemon juice and ice cubes. And there was nothing inside of me that needed alcohol, but I just wanted to fit in. Could I have some? Could I have a drink? And I'm like the third guy in the, in the circle, you know, three circles around that bucket in that bottle, and I'm way in the third. But I got some, and uh, I remember the reaction. I remember it clearly. Um, at going home, after school was out, I came out of my shirt, and something told me to go in the street and start directing the traffic. <laughs> and um, my young girlfriend at the time, she couldn't believe it. She just started sweating. She didn't want to walk off and leave me. She begged me, you know, to come on out to the street, man. Come on, let's go, you know. And um, of course, you know, I'm in my cup, so I don't know really what's going on. But that shame and that guilt. Went off to college to study nursing. and. Um, all I was able to do was study booze, you know, and uh, lonely, uh, and I really wasn't for college material. I could do the work. Uh, I love chemistry, biology, and the sciences, but I wasn't prepared to, for the discipline that is required to pursue higher education. Failure, you know, was my constant companion. And when I went home that holiday, um, I decided to come see you guys come to New York. And so I got two sandwiches, two chicken sandwiches, and um, a little clothes, and the school colors was green and orange. And so I jumped on the bus um, with my green suit, orange shoes, and a big old green hat with a feather sticking outside. <laughs> and I came to your Port Authority bus station. And need I tell you what happened to me? when I showed up at that bus station with that green suit. Oh, such tall buildings i never seen. Oh my goodness, they so high, look oh. And it wasn't soon, the con man must have been sitting in the corner somewhere waiting. And they ran the game down and I heard, I heard it, but I wasn't listening. 
And the next thing you know, he flashed the big old water money, and I mixed my money with him, and there was that. You know what I mean? And I had a resentment with Alcoholics Anonymous, I mean with New York City, until I got to AA and was able to look at the part that I played in all that. You know what I mean? And so my life continued, you know, up and down, up a hill, down the road, up a hill, down the road, employment. There was a um, young daughter born. And just like my father, I refused to be responsible, to be a responsible dad. You know, I had to live my life the way I wanted to live it. And as I reflect back on that, doing, um, looking back over my life, I could see that I wanted the joy and happiness that I thought alcohol would bring me. But all it brought me was pain, misery, and suffering. And I continually tell myself, I told myself, that it would be better the next time. Lost the jobs. Um, I didn't get injured too bad. I didn't have um, too much of a run-in with the, with the police. Um, I became an ambulance attendant. And um, yeah, we did some um, grimy things as ambulance drivers, ambulance attendants, and as police. Sometimes we would just step over you and go for your pocket. You'd be amazed at men and women who are now, you know, laying about in the different uh, shelters or under the bridges and their pockets be just stuffed with old money, bank books. And I didn't know that before I got the job, but after I got the job, I was school owner. You were just stand back, we'll take care of this, you know. And a few people, you know, lost their job. And, you know, during this time, around the end of the 60s, this was the height of, um, of our effort, of the black community's effort to, to grow and develop and to be able to participate in, in, in democracy in this country. They call it civil rights movement and all that. But um, there was a lot of stuff growing on. Um, um, the hippie flavor was about. And um, we just started to open up and meet each other and hug and kiss and people got high. And I remember experiencing um, reefer, marijuana, uh, whatever they call it these days. <laughs> and um, I'm so thankful and I'm so happy that my experience with, with that weed was very brief and very short because I took a toot. I took one, but and that's all, a toot. And if I took it in the morning, I didn't make a move all day. <laughs> I sit stone cold right there all day, laughing and giggling and and so, you know, this guy crazy, you know, and then they started to beat me out of my funds and all that, um, selling me oregano for reefer, you know, matchbox, $5 box and all that. So that wasn't for me. So I just, I just stuck with booze and I joined a nationally known organization and uh, went about the country trying to feed uh, hungry kids in our community and provide them with, um, with um, free health care. And um, thank you. And um, so that was my life. And um, in the early 80s, I got back to New York, no skills, but I was able to be employed in the construction field and rose to a supervisor. And alcohol took that, that wonderful 
adventure away from me. And I'm so happy that it did because there was one thing about Mitch is that it, he was a, de a daredevil, do almost anything, you know, to get some claps. Ooh, did you see him do that? Ooh, that's a bad dude. Ooh. And so, you know, um, I needed that, that spiritual boost because I couldn't get it anyplace else. And I was really sad and gloomy inside. So I needed that painful excitement, you know, to keep me going and to get me going. And um, so I finally lost a job. And um, there in, in 89, I decided to, I went on a binge, uh, a spree as we call it, and um, I took all of my money out the annuity. I didn't even know I had an annuity. <laughs> Someone, someone told me, and I found a doctor who signed, on, who signed his name to the dotted line that I was permanently disabled. The union delegate gave me a check for $40,000. To this very day, I have no idea what happened to the money. None. That morning, um, I was stopped by police officers there on Morningside Avenue, 110th Street, because someone in the neighborhood had viciously attacked a woman. And they took me to the emergency room at St. Luke's Hospital on the hill, and they asked the lady, is this the guy? And she, but for the grace of God, but for the grace of God, she said, no, but I wish it was. And uh, I asked the officer, what would have happened to me if she said, yeah, I was told that I wouldn't have gotten out there alive. And all that told me to do was continue drinking. I went and tried to control my drinking by the, by the quantity I had. And so I bought a bottle of nips. But none of that seemed to be working. And so, I, I wanted to go home. I went home to my apartment. I barely had an apartment. I wasn't paying rent. And I went to my girlfriend's mother's house. And she was a member of Alcoholics Anonymous. They had known me for four years and had never once said anything to me about my drinking. But this day, she says to me, Mitch, I hear you've been trying to get some help for yourself. Yes, ma'am. You know, you ought to get honest with your drinking. Get honest with my drinking. What do you mean you get honest with my drinking? I drink every day. I ain't trying to hide nothing from nobody. You know what I mean? No, sweetheart. That's not what I mean. Why don't you take a look at what alcohol has done to your life? And oh, man, I wanted to cry. But, you know, somehow vaguely I remember that men don't cry before women. But she had, she had touched a vein in my heart. Missing school, not being responsible for my daughters, not growing a marriage. All of that stuff was packed down in there. And the way I was handling that pain was to drink it away. But it never went away. It always came back. But this woman was able to touch it. She was a great cook. She, the, one of the ways you can get to a man's heart is through food. So she gave me a big old platter full of food, southern food, and told me to go home. And I'll bring it to your first meeting. And she did. Set me in the front row. Went away and would call me every night. Mitch, what did they say at the meeting? And for the life of me, I couldn't tell her. I'm sitting right in the front row for seven or eight days. Matter of fact, if I came late, I would move your keys and sit in the, make sure I have a seat in the front row. You know what I mean? I was so determined to follow directions. Every night she would call Mitch. What did they say at the meeting? And I'm sitting there supposedly looking right down the speaker's gullet. I didn't hear a thing because my mind was someplace else. My body was there. And my mind was on her daughter because her daughter was a slickster 
and she'd put me to sleep, sex me up, shave my head, and fry chicken and all that, and I'd go to sleep. I wake up, she gone, and the money gone. You know, so I had a definitely resentment against her. But I kept coming, and finally, you know, she called, and I told myself, you know, you go around that meeting tomorrow. Make sure you sit up in the front and look that speaker right down his gullet and hear what he got to say. And I heard him, you know, say, welcome. This is a meeting of Alcoholics Anonymous, pretty much the same as Bunny was doing. And she called, ring, Mitch, what did they say at the meeting? They said, welcome. It was a meeting of Alcoholics Anonymous. And I slammed the phone. But I didn't know. I didn't know until much later, as I was reflecting, that I had woke up. I had returned from the walking dead. Thus began my journey to you folks a day at a time. I joined the St. Nicholas group. I became active in the group. The different responsibilities that the group set up. Our group was pretty well structured, GSR, intergroup delegate, treasurer, secretary, institutional rep, all of that. I went through the circuit, rotating through and through. Some of them I wanted to keep forever, but they pushed me aside and told me somebody else was going to get sober. And I just kept coming. And, you know, um, relationship with my daughter is, you know, beyond my wildest dreams. Dad, her and her husband, and my two grandsons, uh, my youngest grandson lives here in New York. He came out of school, not like his grandfather, but he got a great, a great job, you know, coming out of Ohio State. And now he's the vice president of American Express. You know what I mean? Who would have thought? I asked myself, where he get that from? He didn't get it from me. <laughs> got it from his mother's side. And I told him that. You know, I'm just, just really, 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 really proud, you know, of the, the gifts that um, this fellowship has been able to pass along to me you know, with regard to its program of recovery. And there is a program. It's called 12 Steps, 12 Traditions, and 12 Concepts. And the, the most interesting and the most useful tool for me that I've come to learn since I've been here is the, the, the tool of inventory. Inventory. I told you I, was, I left home running running from me, running from the person that I had created all my life, ducking and dodging me. The inventory is giving me the key to go to unlock that lock, go back there, take that lock off that door, and face the person that you've made all these years. Took a lot of courage. I cried. I'm not going to do that. Because there's just a lot of stuff, a lot of shame, a lot of guilt that I wasn't willing to face on my own, naked by myself. I wasn't willing to look at that because I just knew I wasn't able to take the pain. I go to the meetings, I shake hands, I mop the floor, but I'm not going to do that. But finally, listening to your shares and talking with a good sponsor, I began to do it. And the first person's name that I put down on the list was the same woman that was robbing me. I put her name on the paper. And as soon as I put her name on the paper, it seemed like the resentment just flew out of my life, just like that. Again, I was sold on the program. This, this thing works. I'm going to make some more attempts to learn whatever else has been going on, whatever else I've been hiding. There is the fifth step. Admit it to God, to another human being, and to myself. The exact nature. Where, what do you mean the exact nature? 
It means what happened to your God-given instincts? What did you do with them? The instincts were security for sex, for wanting to be close and friends, for wanting to be a human being. What happened? How did you miss the path? I put that down, and that gave me a lot of relief and a lot of freedom. I owed a lot of people. Try the best, the IRS come knocking on the door. Give us our money right now. We ain't got time to wait. Take my check. So I went to the IRS and we made some arrangements and turns out I wasn't cheating on my, on my income tax. I just wasn't filing nothing. I was just spending the money as I got it. And the lady was genuine and kind enough to go look in um, the records and see that what well, perhaps we owe you, Mr. Mitchell. And so they did. And I took that money and I began to to do different things with it other than what I had done in the past. Put it aside from, you know, for, for my grandkids. And so my life has um, come full circle. Retired now, man living on a pension, nice apartment complex to live in. And um, I just try to be consistently responsible. That's what I want from me, to be consistently responsible. I don't want to hurt myself anymore. I don't want to hurt myself anymore by being nasty and being uppity and being disrespectful to you. I want that joy, that joy of happiness, that balance I received from extending my hand, the same way the hands was extended to me as I came through the door. I want to be able to practice that too because that feeds a deeper spirit within me. I, didn't, I knew of it, but I wasn't really willing to practice it consistently. I can give myself my own peace of mind. I have to work at it. And sometimes it's easy and sometimes it's not. But that's a goal for me, to continue to carry the message to those who still suffer. Currently, I serve as our district's PI co cooperation with the professional community chair in our district. And what we've done is set up a table wherever we can get invited. Not promotion, not promotion, cooperation. Cooperation with whoever else is doing whatever else in the community to leave, relieve whatever problem exists. Alcoholism is a big issue. But we're not on TV with our face shown, with our name badges and all that, quietly with an information table that the ladies have over there in that corner, with information that's geared to the general public. The general public are the people who come in contact with the alcoholic on a daily basis. So they take those pamphlets, and our prayers are that in some dark corner, some dark night, some winter morning, some summer hard day, the pamphlet will materialize and the person will find his or her way to the light, here to Alcoholics Anonymous, where they can begin to grow and become productive members of the community that I rejected and the community that rejected me. Thank you guys for having me. I really appreciate it.